Praise the Lord. It's 11-11. Hallelujah. How is everyone this morning? Good. Praise the Lord. Well, I only have a couple of announcements, and that is, first of all, on uh, Tuesday. Everybody say Tuesday. Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., we have prayer right here. It's been going on now. I think we're about to hit the eight-week mark, and we're just continuing to seek the Lord. And every Tuesday morning from 6 to 8 a.m., if you can't join us in the building, then uh, you can go to our Facebook page and join us there and just let it play on your way to uh, the on the way to work or wherever you're at and contend with us for the things that God is asking us to pray for. And then um, on Wednesday night, we have our regular Bible study. Somebody thought or heard that I wasn't going to be here and some people decided not to come. Do not make that mistake again. That's okay. I forgive you. I forgive you. There are a couple of people there. But anyway, we are glad for those of you here. But, man, we, we will continue no matter what happens. Amen? We will just continue. And uh, we had a great Bible study. Brian Gomez from Spain shared on Wednesday night with those that were here. And they had a great, great time. And so let's just continue in the faith and uh, believing God for what he wants to do. We had a great service this morning. I tell you what, on on the blood of Jesus. I don't know if we got that on our Facebook page, but um, uh, pleading the blood it was just a powerful, powerful time. My dad, as he just preached that. Um, for those of you that are wondering, if you haven't read or haven't seen online the services for mom, uh, the viewing will be Monday night in Abilene at Hamill Funeral Home. And then on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, will be the service there at New Hope Church, and uh, they're trying to live stream that, but uh, that will be at Tuesday morning, so we can pray. Thank you for the prayers, and I also want to say this. Thank you for the food, for all of those that have been bringing food. It has been phenomenal. Um, I mean, just just huge, and I don't remember which night it was. Johnny was like, it's just such a blessing. It's just, to, to many, it may be a small thing, but to us, it's a huge thing that we didn't have to worry about that, and we could just go through the day, do what we needed to do, and had so much food that we said, don't bring any today. So we've got leftovers we're going to be eating today. But uh, it is just amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Now, I haven't seen my son in a week because he's been in Orlando at General Council serving there. And so, Pastor Nathan, why don't you come on up and share uh, the word with us for a few minutes. Well, I had exactly two minutes to prepare, but I found um, a passage of scripture that we all know pretty well, I think, if you've been in the church for a while. But it's uh, James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. And it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warmed and filled, without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? So also by faith, it's faith by itself, uh, if it does not have works, is dead. So I just wanted to encourage this morning to to put some put some walk behind your talk and to to put some action behind your faith. Because like he said, you can have faith for your entire household, but unless you act on that, unless if Rahab wouldn't have lowered down the cord and if she wouldn't have had to take the step and taken the spies in, then her family would have been destroyed. Because she had the faith for it, but she also did the work behind it. So this morning, as you give, um, you pray about what what the Lord had of you give and what the Lord have you but behind what you believe in your values. And if you value giving to the poor, if you value clothing the, the needy, if you value the, the widows and the orphans, then let's think about that today as we give to the church, as we give to the missions, as we give to everything. Because when we give, 
everything that you give to the church in some way or shape or form goes to help that, whether it's here locally and a ministry here locally or whether that's around the world and in another country. So, Lord, we thank you today, Lord, for uh, all that you're going to do. Lord, pray that you bless the offering today and whatever people decide to give. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just lead them and guide them in that. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and rest on us today and help us to learn a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may receive the offering. It's not often Pastor Nathan is usually helping out with kids, so that's cool for him to be able to be in here for a little bit. Would you turn in your Bible to John chapter 14? John chapter 14. And as you begin in that, like I said, I, I keep referring to that first service. It was very, very powerful. We got to meet some new friends this morning through Brother John. And uh, um, they are a, an engineer and a doctor. Is that correct? He is the engineer. His wife is the doctor. And that is their profession. Uh, and they are from India. But uh, if, if, I'm, if I'm understanding what he said correctly, uh, he's planted 5,000 churches in India. And he did it through healing rooms, which is part of what we have been um, talking about ever since last summer and trying to figure out how to do that. And, and he walks into this place, and Brother Jean has no clue about this, but uh, he is uh, a healing room director, and that is one of the ways that they plant churches in India is through healing rooms. People get healed in the healing rooms, and they start a church out of that. So uh, he just moved here to Keller, so we're going to be connecting with him. But uh, that is just very, very exciting. I, I just love the way God weaves the tapestry of the body of Christ together. It's incredible. Never underestimate a meeting you have with anyone. Let me say that again. Never underestimate a, a meeting you have with anyone, even if it's for five minutes, because that individual could be the key to unlock nations. That individual could be the key that unlocks certain aspects of the beauty of God in your life. And so just get ready. God is good. Hallelujah. To, this morning, I want to preach to you a message entitled, Heaven Is. Heaven Is. And I... I posted this on Facebook a couple of days ago because I've obviously, or maybe not obviously to you, but obviously for us, we've been thinking a lot about heaven this last week. And uh, what is mom experiencing right now? You know, obviously we know that, that she was greeted by Jackie and by many of her, her relatives and friends who have preceded her. And uh, of course, the best thing, and, and sometimes we forget about this, the best person that she met was, of course, her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he brought her into the kingdom. Um, but there's a lot of questions about heaven. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat, there is no way I can cover it all today unless we want to hang out for four or five hours. Then I might be able to, to, to cover a quarter of it. But there is so much in the Word of God about heaven. But before I went to the Word, I went to Facebook. Because, you know, that's where we find all the answers, right? And so let me, let me tell you what some people said. This is most of them, not all of them, but most of them. I just said, complete this sentence, heaven is. And this is the collective knowledge of Facebook. It says, heaven is real. Heaven is what truly matters. Heaven is forever. Heaven is beyond my dreams, beyond what I can imagine. 
Heaven is a wonderful place. Heaven is what Jesus wants for us. Heaven is my home. Someone said, heaven is here and now. Heaven is my destiny. Someone got a little, um, a little snarky and said, heaven is a place on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we know where their mind is. Anyway, heaven is where we get to spend eternity. Heaven is a place of no suffering. Heaven is my home. Heaven is just the blink of an eye away. Heaven is Jesus. Can somebody say amen to that? Uh, but this one, this one came from a pastor friend of mine. He loves God with all of his heart. He said, heaven is Krispy Kreme. You know, I tell you what, he's wrong. Maybe a little touch of heaven, but it is not heaven, all right? Here's the thing. I literally could make this one message a huge series because heaven is mentioned and heaven and heavenly and the kingdom of heaven is mentioned almost 600 times throughout the word of God. And the concept of heaven without the word heaven being mentioned is mentioned many more hundreds of times. Why? Because it is true that heaven is our destiny. It's our destination. So let's look at John chapter 14 and see what the most important person said about heaven, and that's Jesus. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says to the Thessalonians, he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know that what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Excuse me. We need these scriptures, guys, because there's a lot. So I need as many of these up as there's possible. We will not know what will happen to these believers so, who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. How many of you know we don't grieve like the world grieves? It doesn't say, I need to clarify this, the scripture does not say we don't grieve, period. It says we don't grieve like the world grieves, like the people who have no hope. When we grieve, we grieve with hope. I tell you, this week, as, as many of you understand, has been a roller coaster of emotions. But even in those roller coaster of emotions, we have hope. We know that we will see our loved ones again. We know that we will see Jesus again. Then it goes on and says, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life Again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. The first thing I want you to know is heaven is for real. Heaven is for real. That statement actually came from a young man who died 
and they made a book out of it and now a movie out of it. His dad was a, uh, I believe, a Methodist minister, a Methodist minister who wasn't sure about heaven. Hey, we all have questions. But as this young boy went into heaven in a near-death experience and came back, he told of the glories of Jesus. He told of seeing relatives that he didn't even know about. In fact, a, a child who had died in, in, um, was stillborn. The parents knew about it, never told them about it, and he met his little sister in heaven. And he told his parents, heaven's for real, Mom. Heaven's for real, Dad. Look at your neighbor and say, heaven's for real. Heaven is for real. It's not an imaginary sweet by and by. It's not a place of nothingness. Heaven is real. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through a few scriptures, and if you want, you can write some of these down, or I can send it to you later. But first of all, we know that God created it. In both Genesis 1-1 and Acts 14-15, the Bible declares that God is the builder of not only earth, but he was the creator of heaven. Jacob dreamed about heaven. Abraham and Moses pronounced heaven's blessings on the people. Elijah called down fire from heaven and then rode a chariot of fire up into heaven. Isaiah spoke of a new heaven. Jesus declared that he came from heaven, John 6, 33. Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in, and to pray on earth as it is in Matthew chapter 6. Paul was caught up into the third heaven, 2 Corinthians 12, 2. John the Revelator saw the new heaven and a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, Revelation 21, 1. We're going to come back to John in a minute. But these are just a few of, like I said, the almost 600 mentions of heaven throughout the Old and New Testament. Now, there's something that God put on Joni's heart uh, a few weeks ago about just beginning to read books about heaven. And so we went to Mardell and we found, and if, if, by the way, if you haven't figured this out, Mardell has amazing books for dirt cheap. Forget going anywhere else. Just go to Mardell, go to the, the cheap section, and the book that you see for fifteen ninety nine over here might be $3 over here. True. I mean, we've been, we found that secret years ago. That's why we have thousands of books now. And so we went and we bought, I don't know, five or six books. Then we get home, and then within a couple of days, she finds another 10 or 12 books that we already had in our library on heaven. So we've been reading about heaven. And some of the books we've been reading about are near-death experiences. And there has been an incredible study over the last 20 years about near-death experiences and about how many, even people who say they're atheists when they die, how they experience the glories of God and come back with stories that they, 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 they just can't even fully explain. But with all of those, we need to understand that the Word of God is our guide. Come on. And, and according to the Bible, the Bible says that even if an angel from heaven should come and preach to you another gospel, you need to throw it out. So what, we, what do we do? We go back to the Word of God for our answers. We go back to the Word of God to understand. Just like we understand that there's not only one heaven, but there's three heavens. I mean, mentioned it briefly, but how Paul was caught up into the third heavens. 
According to the Old Testament understanding of heaven and even into the New Testament, there is the heavenly firmament that we can see, the sky above, and then another heaven, and then another heaven into the throne of God. There, there's, there's three different types of heavens. So I need you to understand, there, there's, heaven is real. Just as sure as hell is a real place, so is the dwelling place of God a real place. Look at your neighbor again and say, heaven's for real. Secondly, I want you to know that heaven is for people. Heaven is for people. Let's go back to John chapter 14, verse 1 through 4, but I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. It says, don't worry or surrender to your fear. For you believed in God, now trust and believe in me also. My Father's house has many dwelling places. If it were otherwise, I would have told you plainly. Because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. And when everything is ready, I will come back and take you to myself so that you will be where I am. And you already know the place where I'm going. Let's keep reading and see what Thomas says. Thomas says, to him, Master, we don't know where you're going, so how could we know the way there? Jesus explained, come on, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too, and from now on you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. Jesus said, I'm the way. The way to what? The way to the Father and the way to heaven. He said that there is a way to get to heaven. There's only one way to get there. Let me say it again. There's only one way to get to heaven. There's only one way to become a resident of heaven after you leave this earth, and that is through Jesus. Jesus is the way, not a way, not one of many ways. He is the way. Jesus is the way. He's the way to heaven. And if he's the way, then you must be going somewhere. And he must have that road for us. It's for people. Now, Thomas wasn't sure where Jesus was going or how to get there. And Thomas, or excuse me, Jesus made sure to let Thomas, his disciples, and know and us know how to get there. Why? Because heaven is for people. Let's go back to John, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 21, where John speaks of the visions and the dreams that God gave him while on the island of Patmos. It says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Can I tell you, there will be no wasp in heaven. Can somebody say hallelujah to that? Why? Because wasps exist to sting you and me. And they can't give me any more pain at that point. Amen? If they're there, then he's going to pull the stinger out. I don't know. I just don't think there's going to be wasps there. I don't think there's going to be any thorns for us to get hurt on. There's no more pain. Hallelujah. 
Then in verse 6 he says, And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. God created heaven for you and for me. The paradise is for us. It's for people. He created it for us. Now, I know there's the question, will there be animals in heaven? Well, I do believe there will be animals in heaven. There's, there's some evidence of that in Scripture. But will your favorite dog, Fluffy, make it? I don't know about that. There is no evidence for that. But there is evidence that there will be animals in heaven. God's going to ride a horse Hello? He's going to ride on the clouds. I mean, come on. There, there's going to be some animals. But what I do know is that heaven was not made for the animals. Heaven was made for the children of God. Heaven, if, if heaven, let me say it. I, I got to get this. Heaven was made for everyone, but not everyone will be in heaven for eternity. This is such an important distinction, especially in our day and in our time where everyone says that if you die, then everyone goes to heaven. Unfortunately, that's not true. Unfortunately, that's not true. Look at Matthew chapter 7. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. That's Jesus speaking. Look at Matthew 25, verse 45 and 46. And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Revelation 21.8 says, But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. What do these and many other scriptures tell us? That heaven was made for everyone, but everyone will not make heaven. This is our assignment. Part of our assignment is to let people know of the goodness of God, of the faithfulness of his love, and of the beauty of the heaven that he has created for us so that they don't miss out. Heaven is the place to be and hell is the place to flee. Somebody say amen to that. Now, there's something else I want you to know. Heaven is better than anything you can imagine. Heaven is better than anything you can imagine. You know, I, I hear people say, oh, you know, man, heaven's going to be so cool. I get to do whatever I want. You know, if, if, I'm a, if, I, if I love baking here on earth, I'm just going to be a crazy baker on, on, in heaven. If I love to fish on earth, man, I'm going to catch some of the biggest bass. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to do that. And can I tell you, you're falling short if you believe that. You're not giving heaven enough credit and God enough credit if that's all you can imagine. 
You see, what began in a garden will end in a garden city. The tree of life will become a forest of life, according to Revelation 21. The river that flowed in Eden will become a river of eternal life that gives life to everything it touches. Man was driven out of paradise by sin, but sin won't be allowed in the paradise of God. Heaven is better than you could imagine, better than you could think. Heaven won't be an eternal golf course or the best fishing hole or the place where all your earthly fantasies come true. It is better than you could ever imagine. And I promise you this. You're not going to be riding around on a cloud playing a harp. Whoever said that, whoever figured that out, whoever drew that was mental in the head. (laughs) We get these ideas and we think they're biblical and they're not. We need to check the word. Look at your neighbor and say, check the word. John Chris says, check your heart. I say, check the word. It's better than your heart. Amen. (laughs) Listen, if. If it took the Godhead seven earthly days to create the universe as we know it, and Jesus told his disciples, I go and prepare a place for you, and he hasn't come back yet. He's been working on this place for 2,000 years. I mean, I've been to some places around the world. I've been to some beautiful places around the world. I, I haven't got to see all the seven wonders. I'd love to see them. But just from what I've seen, it's amazing. I mean, to go on a mountaintop in Montana is one of the most, my favorite places to be. It's incredible. Some of these places you can go and the things God created. And if it's that good now, imagine what heaven's going to be. Just here. Listen, this is John describing just one portion of heaven, the new Jerusalem, the city, the new Jerusalem is not all of heaven. It's just one portion of the city that's going to come down from heaven. So kind of imagine this, any builders in the place? Yes, I know we got a few builders in the place. They, they, they have these, and, and some of you need to help me with the terminology, but, but, you know, they have these things, it's called prefab, is that the correct word? Prefab, where you, where you make these walls and make these places, make these pieces of construction, sometimes in a warehouse, and then you bring them to the construction site, and then you build them up. Anybody know what I'm talking about, or am I, am I just going, but yeah, okay. Prefab. So think about that according to heaven. So God has been not only preparing heaven, but he's been preparing the new Jerusalem in heaven. It's like the prefab warehouse heaven is. And he's been preparing it. And at one point, this is what John says, the city was pure gold, clear as crystal. And its walls, its wall was made of jasper. The 12 foundations of the wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. Imagine your house being made out of diamonds. Come on. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth, I don't even know that word, chrysophaz, the eleventh turquoise, and the twelfth amethyst. I mean, there are jewels that we don't even know what they are, that God has had hidden only to prepare the foundation of the new Jerusalem. 
if God cares so much about the beauty of the simple foundation that the rest of the city lies on that tells you of the detail that God is going to to prepare this place for us. And then he says the 12 gates are made of 12 pearls. Each one, each gate made out of one pearl. Can you imagine the size of the oysters? Some of you are looking at me. Come on. Get your imagination on this morning. One pearl. <laughs> and the street of the city. Can I just say this? Some people say that John, everything John says is like hyperbole or it's, it's just, you know, he couldn't describe everything. There are some things I, I would agree with you on that. But when you talk about this kind of detail, I don't think he thought it was like a pearl. He said it was a pearl. If John saw a pearl, then guess what? When we get there and when that, when that new city comes down onto the new earth, we're going to see pearls in, in those gates. Somebody just back me up on that. Amen? And the street, the street of the city was pure gold, clear as crystal. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. The city has no need for sun or moon to shine, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. This is the city that Abraham was looking for, whose builder and architect was God. God's building us a place. Easton's Bible Dictionary describes heaven this way. In heaven, the blessedness of the righteous consists in the possession of life everlasting, an eternal weight of glory, an exemption from all sufferings forever, a deliverance from all evils, and from the society of the wicked, bliss without termination, the fullness of joy forever. The believer's heaven is not only a state of everlasting blessedness, but also a place prepared for them. Wow. Those are all scriptures, all quotes from scripture. Jesus calls heaven his father's house. Heaven is called paradise, the heavenly Jerusalem, the kingdom of heaven, the eternal kingdom, the internal inheritance, the better country. The blessed are said to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to be in Abraham's bosom, and to reign with Christ, and to enjoy rest. Now, I know some of you young people, you're just like, ah, rest can happen some other time. And some of us older people are going, ha bring on the rest. Come on, this is a rest that you will not get tired of. You got that, didn't you? You won't get tired of this rest. This is an eternal rest, a cease from striving forever. Death will not exist in heaven. Only righteous people will enter heaven. Now, there may only be a few people who enter heaven, but our lives will not be fully complete, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 2, until we enter heaven. Philippians 1 says heaven is better than earth. 2 Peter 3 says heaven is the home of the righteous. Revelation 7 says God is the focus of attention in heaven. Revelation 21 4 says there will not be any sadness in heaven. And Revelation 22 5 says people in heaven will walk with God. We've often talked about Adam and what a 
what a glorious time that would have been to be like Adam, walking in the cool of the garden with God, being the only one. Can I tell you, God is big enough to walk with all of us at the same time in whatever direction we go in heaven. We're going to be traveling the stars. We're going to be traveling the universe. We're going to be seeing things that we've, that, that we've only dreamed about and we haven't even dreamed about. I wrote this, heaven is our home. Heaven is a reunion. Oh, I'm going to be glad for that reunion. Heaven is a party. Is that okay to say that? I, I'm tired of people saying that hell is going to be the greatest party. Hell is going to be nothing of a party. Hello? Heaven is where the party is. Come on, tell people. Heaven is where the party is. Heaven is going to be a feast. Some people say, you won't need to eat. I say, it doesn't matter if I won't need to eat. I'm going to eat. It's going to be a feast. Heaven is a worship festival. Better than anything any of the latest worship bands can put on. Heaven is eternity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. Heaven is the goal of every disciple. It's our goal. Jesus told his 12 disciples that he would come back for them and take them to the place that he was going. He was telling them that you're going to have, yes, in this world you're going to have trouble, but, but believe in God, believe in me, trust in me. You're going to get through this. No matter what suffering comes your way, think about it. Every single one of the disciples that we know of were all martyred for the sake of Christ. Peter was hung upside down on a cross. Another disciple, his, his, his body was ripped in two so that, so that all of his entrails fell out and he died for preaching the gospel of Christ. John was on the Isle of Patmos, not because he was taking a vacation, but because he was exiled there until death. Paul was killed. All of them. What were they thinking? How could they do that? Because they know who holds the future. They knew what Jesus had gone through. And they were willing to suffer because they knew the suffering would only last for a moment. The Bible says this life is but a vapor, and it's over. Paul said to be absent from the body was to be present with Christ. For him to live was Christ, but to die was gain. Romans 8, 23, and we believers also groan, even though we know we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised. Oh, somebody should shout on that one right there. He's even going to give us new bodies. Philippians 3.14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Colossians 3, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. 
think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. What's the message? The earth is not our home. We are but sojourners. We are aliens. We are strangers, according to Second Peter. On this earth, think it not strange that things happen on this earth because this is not our home. We put too much stock in the here and now and not enough investment in the then and there. Let me say that again. We put too much stock in the here and now and not enough investment in the then and there. What are you doing that's going to last? What are you doing that's going to resound throughout eternity? Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Don't store up your treasures here on earth where moth and, and rust destroy them, where thieves break in and steal, but store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? You know, there's many who have kind of derided or kind of looked down upon some of our ancestors over the last 75, 80 years. Because 100 years ago, when my grandfather was just becoming a, a believer, 80 years ago, when he was becoming a believer and he began to preach he, he wasn't worried about finances. He wasn't worried about, you know, storing up some big stock option. He wasn't worried about those things. And I'm not saying it's wrong to, to plan for retirement. I think it's a good thing. But he wasn't worried about it. He wasn't thinking about that. His investment was in souls. Because they would last for eternity. And there are many who are like, well, man, they should have done this. They should have done that. They weren't thinking. And, and it's not that they shouldn't have been thinking about those things. It's just that they were consumed with heaven. They were consumed with eternity. And today, the opposite has happened. We're so consumed with the worries of this life. We're so consumed with what's going to happen tomorrow. We're so consumed with what this person thinks about me or what that person is going to do. We're so consumed with what's happening on the news and what's going to happen with Trump tomorrow and what's going to happen with the stock market today. We're so consumed with these things that worry and doubt and all of these things begin to weigh on us. And it's no wonder that stress is the number one killer of Americans today. Because we're so consumed with now. <laughs> but the Bible tells us a different thing. Disciples know their goal. Disciples know where they're headed. Disciples know where they're going. And that is what they focus on. If you are heavenly minded, then and only then are you earthly good. Let me say that again. If you are heavenly minded, then and only then are you of any earthly good. It's time to get more heavenly minded. It's time to begin to focus on our goal. It's time to begin to think, how is this going to affect that? Because heaven is eternal. Heaven is eternal. You know, 
Revelation declares that the current heaven and earth will pass away. And 2 Peter 3, to close with this verse, agrees, this passage. 2 Peter 3 says, The Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should you live? Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth, he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. That is what we are looking for. That is what we have our hope set on. That is what we should be thinking about on a regular basis. Because the kingdom of heaven is eternal, we will live forever. And what we do on earth resounds throughout eternity. This thought has been going through, through me over the last couple of months. This life is so short, so very short. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like kindergarten to the life of of someone going to school. Only shorter than that. And the things that we learn in those first couple of years, those things that we learn about how to read, how to write, how to do math, all of those things that Sophie has been learning this last year are building blocks to what? They're building blocks to algebra and to calculus. They're building blocks to writing books and articles and literature. They're building blocks to all that she's going to learn later on. But if, we, if she doesn't get those basics right now, what's going to happen, church? She's going to struggle where? In the rest of her schooling. Can I tell you, this life is our building block. It's just the basics. We don't have to figure out all about God. We don't have to figure out all that he's thinking all the time. We've got his word. We've got what he's thinking right here. We need to delve into this. We need to dig into this more and say, God, teach me what I need to know. Help me to reach the person I need to reach. Who do you want me to pray for? Who do you want me to present the gospel to? God, what, what, what am I doing with my kids? Is that going to mean anything a million years from now? That's a thought. What am I doing right now that's going to matter a million years from now? There's some things that will matter. And there's sure a lot of things we worry about that won't. Heaven is not a place on earth. <laughs> Heaven is a place I want to be. Heaven is a destination. It's our home. Heaven is our goal. It's our destination. It's our target. Heaven is where we want to be. 
And until that day, we pray, God, do on earth as it is in heaven. Would you stand with me? Father, we love you. And I want to say thank you for creating a place for us and taking all of this time to prepare a place for us so that we might be with God, so that we might be continually in the presence of God without any distraction, without any worry, fear, doubt, sin, pain, suffering, angst, conflict, God, all of that will pass away when we're in your presence for eternity. And I want to say thank you. But Lord, I also want to say forgive us. Forgive us for putting so much stock in the earth. Forgive us for putting so much stock in what's happening around us. Lord, help us to begin to see things from an eternal perspective. Help us to invest our lives, our time, our love, our energy in the things that you would have for us. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunities that you've given us over the years. Thank you, God, for how you've allowed us to preach the gospel to thousands of people at the Texas Motor Speedway and the seed of the gospel that went forth. God, thank you for the opportunity to minister to kids in VBS after VBS. God, it wasn't about the dancing characters on stage. It was about the hearts of the children. God, that you allowed us to minister to. God, thank you for giving us opportunities to partner with missionaries to go door to door and to knock on doors, to go into the streets of our cities and pray for the sick and present the gospel. Thank you for those opportunities, God. God, for those are the things that matter. Lord, I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would help us to continue. Give us faith. Give us vision. Give us direction. Give us clarity on the things you want us to invest in. God, you even said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Lord, I pray you would give us discernment. Discernment. On when and where and how. Right now, would before we leave, would you just lift your hands? And whatever you want to offer to the Father right now, maybe, maybe this life is just bearing down on you and pulling you down. Just ask and say, Father, lift my hands, lift my heart towards heaven. Maybe you're feeling some conviction right now. That's okay. That's a good thing. It's just the Father disciplining you. Just lean into that. Just let him touch you right now. I believe that in this room there's somebody. There's somebody that you're being given some direction right now, and you just think it's just these thoughts, but they're not. They're not random thoughts. 
They're from God. And he's putting some thoughts in your, in your spirit right now. He's bringing back some dreams and visions that you've had. And he's saying, those are the things I've called you to, to take the time while you're here on this planet to invest in. No more excuses. Begin to do what he's called you to do. Begin to act on those things. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit. Mm. We are going to see the King soon and very soon. We are going to see the King soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We are going to see the King. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody give praise to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, God is so good. The Holy Spirit is so good. I was just about to say, Dad, sing a song about heaven. And you did. That's the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Let's think about heaven this week. And let's come back Wednesday night and talk about it. Amen? Amen. God bless you.